Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We're glad to have each of you with us. This month on Fridays, what we're looking at are the Beatitudes. Each month we try to take a little theme and, and kind of focus on that a little heavily. And so this month we're looking at how Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount. There are a series of eight Beatitudes. Really, they fall into two different groups. There are Beatitudes about our relationship with God. We're calling these the Beatitudes of the Heart. And then the others are Beatitudes that deal with our relationship with one another. Those are the Beatitudes of Action or Action Beatitudes. And so we have begun this by looking at these Beatitudes of the Heart. We began with Blessed are the Poor in Spirit. And then we move to Blessed are those who mourn. Today we're going to focus upon this uh, third aspect of the heart, and that is Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, as we look at these, one again, one important thing to realize is that these are not just independent statements. Jesus is kind of just whipping out here like little bullet points, and one has nothing to do with the other. They are connected together, and particularly up to today, we really see that connection. The poor in spirit has nothing to do with your wallet, has nothing to do with a bank account. It has to do with your spirituality. It's somebody who recognizes that he is bankrupt spiritually. The second one we talked about, those blessed are those who mourn, that has nothing to do with funeral homes or cemeteries or death. It has to do with your reaction towards sin. So what we have is in the first one, the realization I realize I have sinned. I am poor in spirit. The second one is the emotion that brings about, and that is I mourn. I'm sad because of this. This is not a good place to be. That leads us to the third one and our beatitude today, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is the action. Because I'm sad, because I realize of sin, I'm going to do something, and that is the hungry and thirsting for righteousness. Yeah, we don't sing it very often, it seems like, anymore, but I know, Roger, there have been many times that you've sung that old hymn like I have, In the Desert of Sorrow and Sin, and... um, Obviously, that is drawn from a variety of Old Testament, especially uh, stories, historical accounts. It is hard for my daughters to imagine being hungry and thirsty the way that those children of Israel must have. It's hard for me to imagine what it must have been like to be in the wilderness between the land of Goshen in Egypt and the Jordan River, especially wandering all around. I I think sometimes it's easy for us as teachers and preachers to look back and notice how often those people complained. But here were some people who knew what it was to hunger and thirst in a desert wilderness. Now, 
Jesus, there were plenty of people in Jesus's day who knew what that was like. Jesus himself. I mean, Matthew 5 comes after Matthew 4, right, where Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting. He's tempted by the devil. My point is these people knew what it was to really hunger and thirst. But just like Jesus takes poverty and mourning and points it in a direction maybe that these people weren't expecting, especially with the word blessed attached, he does the same thing here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Roger, what do you think is the importance of that last word in that phrase, righteousness? Well, you know, what what we're seeing in this expression, there's really three aspects. The hunger and thirsting is a desire. Um, and, and desire or passion moves us in, in all areas. You know, you, you get this person and he's in college and, you know, he's got this test and this paper and this, and he's kind of getting bogged down, but he realizes if I stay with this, the semester's over, I got another semester, I finish that. And pretty soon I'm going to have my degree. And that pushes him to do that. Yeah. That, 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 that's the desire. I desire that. You, well, you know, we, we, some people have a desire to get out debt. They're just tired of paying bills and paying bills, and there's nothing in their bank account. They make a lot of money, but there's nothing there. And so so this hunger and thirsting is is part of uh, the makeup of us. We we have that inherently in us. Jesus, though, is flipping this to the spiritual side. Now, when when we you know we think about the homeless in our community, or we come up to an intersection, there's a guy with a cardboard sign. He always has a pencil somewhere, and I don't know where he gets his pens, but he always has a sharpie, and he writes on this cardboard sign, you know, "Hungry will work for food." Um, we would look at that, and we'd say, you know what, I I, I just want to hop out of my car and sit down because I want to be just like him. I mean, th- th- there's nothing good we see about that. Um, so when Jesus presents this idea of hungering and thirsting, blessed is that person, we would think, no, Jesus, that's that's opposite. I like to be satisfied. That's it. <laughs> that's it. But but the direction is spiritual. Yeah. And so so the three aspects we begin with is their spiritual desire to be righteous, to be right with God. That's that's where it comes from. Again, this goes all the way back to this idea of the poor in spirit. And then those who are mourning because because of my sin, I'm not right with God. Uh, I think one of the uh, telling things that really brings somebody to the act of conversion is realizing if I died tonight, I probably wouldn't go to heaven. And that thought move somebody to say, I need to do what is right. I need to get right. And so there's that hunger and that thirsting to be righteous, to be right with God. Yeah, as as you're talking, I've just jotted down a couple of words. You you focused on desire. And I, I'm not sure that I had ever thought about it this way before, but if I could encapsulate what you said a few moments ago, desire produces a drive, right? There are lots of us that have desires, but not everyone has 
drive that those desires fuel, right? There are plenty of people in cultures across the world throughout human history that have desires and they just expect or want someone else to satisfy those desires for them, right? That's not what Jesus is talking about here. There is a rightly channeled desire that produces a drive. Now, you know, I I threw in, as you were talking a moment ago, that we all like to be satisfied, but there is a danger when maybe desires have been catered to and drive really hasn't been necessary. And then I get satisfied. The phrase that comes to my mind is fat and sassy or spoiled, right? Where, okay, I got what I wanted. I'm living the good life. I I can't imagine, you know, things getting any better. I'm just going to rest on my laurels. Makes me think of Luke chapter 16, the rich man in the rich man and Lazarus parable, right? We've got someone who is literally starving to death outside of his gate, but the rich man, he feasts sumptuously. He's clothed in purple and fine linen. He is satisfied, but not in the right way with the right things and he ends up losing his soul. You know, I, I think in a lot of ways, it it's very much like the physical desire to eat. Okay. And a lot of times we satisfy that with junk food. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, it's it's 4 o'clock, dinner's going to be at 5.30, but you got the hungries, so you go in there and you eat some chips, okay? <laughs> and you eat some chips, and then you grab some M&Ms. It sounds like, sounds like my office right now, okay? <laughs> chips and M&Ms, okay? And, and, and pretty soon it's time to sit down for dinner, and you're just not hungry. And those things don't give you the nourishment that you need. They don't help you. And I think Satan has done that to our culture today. He puts lots of things out there that satisfies us, but they don't nourish the soul. They don't take care of the soul. And they they are just temporary. I think about the Hebrew passage where the, the passing pleasures of sin, uh, it doesn't last and we, at the end, were not right. We're not righteous. And so, it, the, you know, the drive of this passage is not blessed are those who are hungry and they get satisfied. No, blessed are those who hunger to be righteous. That's the drive. That's yeah. the direction. There's a lot, of t- a lot of ways you can get satisfied, uh, but if, it may not be righteous. And that's what God wants. Interesting, some of our hymns that bring this out, you know, I think about uh, the hymn, Draw Me Near, Near. Mm -hmm. There's that desire, I want to be close to God. We have the other hymn, uh, Let Me Walk Close to Thee. You know, those those hymns bring out this idea of an intimacy with God. I want to be as close to God as I can be. And, you know, I think some people who don't have this right spirit, they, they want to see God off in a distance, but they don't want to get too close. And what we're seeing in this beatitude is there's a blessing to those who hunger and they want to be right with God. Yeah, so I'm thinking of the person who, okay, it has been five long days worth of work this work week. Um, They came off of Sunday feeling, okay, pretty good. 
pretty focused, but then Monday hit with full force and Monday was a long day and they spent Monday night watching TV. And Tuesday was a long day and they came home exhausted and they just scrolled through social media mindlessly. Wednesday, they were busy. Here in the context of our church family, we had our summer series, but they were just really tired and so they decided to stay home. They weren't here for that. Thursday, long day, uh, some obligations that they had to take home with them. And so work was carried home and, and dominated their Thursday evening. Friday, they can almost taste the weekend. They had to stay a little longer uh, at work than they were hoping, but they finally got to the weekend. Saturday is here. I, I stay up late, late, late Saturday night. Sunday morning rolls around, and I just don't feel like getting out of bed, getting down to the church building, and singing the sort of hymns that, Roger, you just highlighted. It sure does sound like to me, Matthew 5 is teaching us that is such a dangerous place to be because there is hunger and thirst and satisfaction that can be realized and fueled for what I need this week. But after such a busy, hectic, maybe self-centered week, I miss out on one of the greatest opportunities I have. Absolutely. And, and you know, this is more than just being driven at worship. It, it, it's an individual practice at home. And it's the idea that, am I talking to God? Uh, you know, if I want to spend forever and ever with God, I need to be talking to him. We call that prayer. And I'm going to be pouring my heart out to God. I'm going to be reading his book, um, not just a check off. Okay. I've, I've read this book this month, this book that month, but, but I want to really look at, I want to look at these words as we're doing in this little series here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Well, why? Because they're going to do something. Here's somebody who wants to be right. Now we have the culture today that, that, loves to be wrong and they don't care to be right and they don't want to be right they want to stay right where they are don't move me don't touch me that's our culture today but what jesus is talking about is here's somebody who realizes i'm not right with god and i want to be right with god and so i'm going to hunger and thirst what do i have to do to get right with god and that that begins first of all with our salvation but then that gets to be worshiping God the way he wants to be worshiped. And then then just developing those godly habits in our lives, that brings about this satisfaction. Why is he satisfied? Has nothing to do with his bank account. Has nothing to do with his belly. Has nothing to do with his house paid off. It comes about because I am now right with God. I am heaven bound. I am one of God's children. And all of that, it doesn't matter what happens in this world. I am one of those people who is going to spend forever with God. Yeah, it is a satisfaction of the soul. And there isn't any amount of physical food that can satisfy the soul. There isn't any amount of Netflix that can satisfy the, the soul. There isn't any amount of social media scrolling that can satisfy the soul. Roger, when I think of this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
I think of the first eight verses of Psalm 63, and I would love just to read this. It is a Psalm of David, and I think significantly we've got the, the subscript, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. David is another man who knew what it was to experience hunger and thirst in the wilderness. But you notice what direction he turns this in. We've talked a lot in these last 15 minutes. Desire fuels a drive that ultimately produces a direction, right? Listen to how David puts it. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul, listen to this language, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy my soul clings to you your right hand upholds me. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus is describing? Absolutely. Here's another one, and and this one will remind us of one of our hymns, Psalms 42. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Again, there's that desire, that longing. I I, I I think about God. I want to be with God. I want to be right with God. All, all those expressions kind of run through that. And what what we don't find in here is somebody saying, do we have to go to church? <laughs> or, or somebody saying, you know, Wednesday night's not really command. Why would somebody even say that who has a thirst and a desire for God? What they're going to be saying to the shepherds are, can't we meet more often? Can't we have more classes during the week? Because I just love learning about God. I love the fellowship with God. I love everything about that. And yet another passage that comes to my mind early in our Bibles, back in the book of Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, about old Abraham. It says, Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life, and he was gathered up to his people satisfied not because he went to every country and checked off his bucket list and had a pocket full of money. He was satisfied because he was the God's friend. He was one who followed God. His his heart hungered and thirst for God. And so this is this is a I think a pivotal point here as Jesus is driving these beatitudes, these beatitudes of the heart. It's important to understand where you are, and that's that's poor, that's bankrupt with God. It's important to understand that that ought to do something to you. That'll make you mourn. I'll make you sad that you are not right with God. But then 
It'll cause you to do something. It'll cause you to say, I want to do what's right. How do I find, Jason? So let's say this is one of our listeners, and he realizes, okay, yeah, I'm not right with God. I want to be right with God. How do I do that? The first thing that comes to my mind is to set aside any second guessing that God wouldn't accept me. And I bring that up because, Roger, I know you, like I, have talked with a lot of people who are on the verge. They they recognize poverty of their own spirit, and they are mourning, but they are really struggling with, I'm just not sure if I put myself out there, God would be willing to accept me. I know of not one example in the Bible of a man or woman who was poor in spirit, mourning over their sin, hungering and thirsting, and they brought that to Jesus and were ever turned away with anything less than satisfaction. Jesus never told a man or a woman with that posture of heart, well, I can't do anything for you, or I refuse to do something for you. And so, number one, setting aside that second guessing, that doubt that I would suggest can be easily sown, eagerly sown, by the devil. But number two, it is to actually build that authentic relationship with Jesus. Understand that you need the local church, and the church serves an indispensable part in God's plan, but you are not reconciled to God through the church. Your relationship with God does not depend upon, okay, all of these people around you. These people around you are to be poor in spirit and mourning and hungering and thirsting for crumbs that fall from the table of the king just as surely as you do. And I I bring that up simply because there are going to be times that the people around us disappoint us, right? There are going to be people who hurt us at times, who are disciples of Jesus, but maybe aren't living like it. And so set aside the doubt and build an authentic relationship with Jesus. You need to be connected to him like a branch to a vine, and then you can have that impact in the life of a local church for those who are looking for the table, right? Looking for hope, looking for sustenance. You can be out in the community and hear the language of someone who is hungry and thirsty, and they don't even know what they need. You have found it, and you've got the opportunity to bring them to the table of the king. You know, our, our church family knows well the story of a man by the name of Jimmy. I, I used that a lot uh, not too long ago. Jimmy was a man on death row in Alabama. He has since been executed for the murder that he committed. But in the process of his imprisonment, he opened up the Bible and just read it. Uh, there was nobody to talk to him. There was no preacher. There was no tracks. There was no Bible classes. He just read the Bible. And he came to the conclusion, as the Bible will lead you, that he needed to be baptized for remission of his sins. He needs to live a godly life to the best that he could. And he did that. And although the consequences of his sins took his life, the promises of Jesus gave him eternal life. 
And that's how we need to see. So when I realize that I am not right with God, I need to start seeing what does God tell me to do in the Bible. And I need to do it. And there may be all kinds of family and friends that will tell me otherwise, but listen to God. Listen to those words. What is it that God wants me to do? And when a person realizes that and gets at and starts doing those things, there comes a satisfaction. I am doing what's right. And it pleases the soul. And that's, that's exactly where Jesus is going with this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What a great series we've had so far just reflecting on these deep words of Jesus. Uh, Lord willing, we've got one more uh, session in this whole series, and then we will pivot that first Friday in September to something else. And so stay tuned for one more. But Roger, I appreciate so much you joining me in the studio today. We appreciate all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We appreciate your hunger and thirst just to get to know King Jesus better. And we're honored for the opportunity to try and provide you a little more fuel for the journey and help you set your mind on things above. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.